0: following is a teaching message from shore community church for more information on shore for our teaching resources visit www.shore.org.nz so matthew 13 is where we're going to be today And uh, this is one of the stories that Jesus told. We call them parables, they're stories. And uh, this parable, I think, is particularly good. It's a good place to start if you've never really read much of the parables or the teachings of Jesus. Because this parable, Jesus gives you the interpretation of the parable as well. So it's kind of like reading with a cheat sheet. It's easy. You know, sometimes when you read parables, you're, you're kind of guessing a little bit as to what they mean. With this one, luckily, at the end of the parable, the disciples put up their hands and say, what did that mean? And Jesus tells them. And Matthew recorded it. So that's really helpful. We get the explanation of what's going on. So I'm going to read the story itself. That's verse 1 to 9. And then we'll read the explanation of the parable from verse 18 down to 23. Okay, here we go. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then jump down to verse 18. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So I thought this would be a good message for this time in the year. You know, it's early in the year, still January. And we're thinking about the year ahead. We're thinking about what's coming up. You're thinking about everything that's coming up for you this year, everything that's coming up work-wise. You're thinking about what's coming up school-wise or university. Thinking about what's happening in relationships this year, some of the things, some of the challenges, some of the milestones. You're thinking about what's going on with your finances this year. We're all thinking about what's going to happen with COVID this year, whether there's going to be another lockdown, when the vaccine's going to arrive, how all that's going to roll out. We're kind of in that space early in the year where our minds are going down the track and wondering what kind of year it's going to be. And I think if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that we don't really have a clue what this year is going to bring. We think we might know. You might know a few things and maybe that'll happen. But if last year has taught us anything, we don't really know that much. Things can change fast. Things can change really quickly and, and things can change dramatically, can't they? So you don't know what's coming up this year. You don't know what it holds. But what we can choose is what kind of people we are going to be this year. Right? There's a lot we can't control. There's a lot we can't control in our external circumstances, but you can decide how you'll respond to that. You can decide who you're going to be in the midst of that. You can choose what kind of person you are becoming this year. You can choose what direction you are growing this year, whether you're growing or not growing personally and spiritually. That's really what this parable is about. That's what Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us about growth. He's teaching us about what it means to be people who grow and who grow in a healthy way. We're all growing in some direction or other, but he's telling us how we can grow toward God, uh, toward others, towards selfless lives, towards being fruitful Christians. And he's teaching us about what those things are that help us to grow or hinder us from growing. So let me set the scene for this parable for you. The story that Jesus is telling, is a story about a farmer this would have been really familiar to everybody that's listening. Farmers were everywhere. Probably half the people Jesus was talking to were farmers. Uh, he's in Galilee. It's farmland all over the place. So for us, for us urban people, this is a bit harder to get our heads around, isn't it? Us urbanites, North Shore people, like farming. What is that? I like to take my son to sheep world just to introduce him to a sheep. You know, it's, we're in a different world here. But farmers, you know, this was just common fare for for the people Jesus was talking to. These, these Jew, largely Jewish peasants. It was an agrarian society. Uh, farming was everything. Probably as they sat there, these people could see farmers. They might have even been able to see farmers scattering seed as Jesus talked. And so this was just the stuff of everyday life. And Jesus tells the story of a farmer who goes out scattering seed. And farmers did this, of course, at the beginning of the crop cycle. These are crop farmers he's talking about. And they'd scatter seed. And the picture Jesus is giving us here is that scattering of seed, the sowing of the seed. That represents any time the gospel is communicated Anytime the word is shared, anytime the Christian message is passed on, just like I'm I'm passing it on now or in any conversation, any context where the message is shared, that's the seed being sown. That's the seed being scattered. And so what Jesus is teaching us, he's not so much focusing on how the seed is being sown. What he's teaching us is the response. What he's talking about is how is that seed responded to? And how do people receive it or not receive it? And and what effect does it have then in their lives? And so the images that he gives us, he describes these four different types of of ground, four different types of soil, really, that the, the seeds land upon. And these represent four different ways in which people respond to and receive the Word of God or receive the Christian message, ways in which they do or don't grow in their faith ways in which they do or don't experience that transformation that God's Word is supposed to bring about in our lives. So as we go through as we go through and look at these four types of, of soil or these four different surfaces that Jesus describes, I want you to be thinking which of these kinds of soil is closest to where you are right now. I want you to make this personal for you. It's not just a story. It's not just first century. This is you and me today. So think about who am I in this story and which of these types of ground most closely resembles where you are today. Okay, that's the question I want you to have buzzing in your head as we walk through this. All right, so the farmer goes out and scatters the seed. Now, the first type of ground that the seed lands on is the path, just the pathway, right? So the farmer's going around scattering the seed. He probably doesn't mean to scatter seed on a path because this is just a hard dirt path. This, This would be like me just scattering some seed on the stage, right? What's gonna happen? not much. and that—that's what Inevitably, as the farmer's is scattering some seeds, some of it's just going to fall on the path. And that seed that falls on the path, it doesn't go into the ground. There's no good soil there. It just sits there. And then the birds come along and eat it up, take it away. And here's how Jesus, this is why the explanation is so handy. Jesus tells us what this means. He says in verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that falls along the path. So Jesus is saying, this describes people who hear the word. So they hear the gospel, they hear the Christian message, but for whatever reason, they don't understand it. Now that word understand, it doesn't just mean they don't get it. It means, the word is deeper than that. It means they don't receive it. It means they don't accept it. So they refuse it. Right? They, they, the word never goes into their life and they, are, they never even begin to be changed. By it, right? We all know people like, like this, right? You may be in this category this morning. We, we, we've got friends like this. We've got family like this. We're surrounded by people like this who never receive, never accept the message of the gospel. I remember a couple of years ago, my friend Jeremy from Shaw here, who's sitting down the back, he invited me to a conference, didn't you, Jeremy? And what Jeremy didn't tell me is that at this conference, we were going to be sent out to share our faith with people we didn't know. And he very wisely didn't tell me that before the conference. So he got me along to the conference. And then sure enough, halfway through the morning, we were sent out, we were paired up and we were sent out. And luckily I was with Jeremy, who knows a thing or two about this. And we were sent out and we found ourselves at Myringy Bay, didn't we? Down at Myringy Bay, uh, looking for someone to talk to about, <laughs> about Jesus. And so we bowled up to this guy who was sitting on a park bench, I think reading the paper or something. And it turns out his name was Tony. And we struck up conversation with him. And I was super awkward, but Jeremy, in his winsome way, just kind of got into conversation with this guy and, you know, asking some questions and just, you know, having, having a chat. And, and we were then looking for the opportunities. You know how this is, just sort of looking for the opportunities, maybe to steer the conversation towards something spiritual, towards something of faith, something of God. But every time we got close, Tony deflected. He was a master of deflection. So we would just sort of try to introduce something spiritual, life, faith, something deep. And he would just manage to angle the conversation away. And, and so we ended up talking about all sorts of other things. I think we covered most of the history of Europe. Uh, we covered the history of soccer in England. I think we were just onto all sorts of subjects because Tony would just not let the conversation go into a deep place and he would always just manage to move it on. And okay, that's fine. And we didn't push it. And we just had a conversation. And then eventually um, we, we, we said goodbye. So there's someone. That's, that's, the, rocky, that's, that's, the, that's the hard ground. Right? That's the path. Okay? It d- doesn't mean Tony's a worse person than any of us. But there's a heart who hears a bit of the word, at least, who hears a bit of the message. And for whatever reason, within his own heart, the barriers go up and not interested. And that word never goes in, and it's not accepted. Now, maybe, Lord willing, at some other time in Tony's life, there'll be other seeds planted. Who knows what God will do? But in that instance, there's, there's the hard ground. There's that path. And that, that's any time anyone resists, rejects, just ignores the, the message of the gospel, right? And I think that the, the message Jesus is giving us in that, for those of us that are Christians, is still to be faithful in sowing those seeds, is that we're not responsible for how people respond to that. We're not responsible for how people react to that. Only the Holy Spirit can transform someone's heart. That's only something God can ever do. Only the Holy Spirit can ever turn a heart from darkness to life. We're just responsible for scattering some seed, just sowing some seed, just speaking up. We are responsible to do that. Saying a word, sharing a bit of our story, angling those conversations. But we are not responsible for the work that God does in the hearts of people. We're just called to be faithful, scattering seed. So that's the seed on the path, the hearts that are not open, The word of God. Then the second type of seed. So this is the rocky ground. So the farmer sows some seed. That type of ground, there is some soil there. So the seed does go in. The problem is the ground is really rocky and the soil is really shallow. So the seed goes in and it does sprout. Little plant comes up, little crop starts there. But because the soil is so shallow, it never really gets going. And the heat comes on that plant. The sun comes up day after day. And this is Israel. This is the Middle East, right? So the hot Mediterranean sun comes out and just bakes that plant. And because that poor little plant cannot draw up the nutrients that it needs because it doesn't have deep roots, what happens when the sun comes out? It just withers, right? You can see it in your mind's eye, can't you? It's that sun just withering that little plant. It can't get the nourishment that it needs from the ground. Now, what does Jesus tell us about this kind of seed and what it represents? He says in verse 20, The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. So Jesus is saying, here is someone who the Word of God is is spoken or the message is shared and it does go in, right? So this is someone, I think this is someone who is a genuine Christian, right? Some people think, oh, maybe that kind of seed, they were never a genuine Christian. I think they were. I think this is someone who does receive it and they start out on the journey. The problem is they've got no roots. They've got no spiritual roots. It's a very shallow faith. They receive it with joy. There's this initial burst of enthusiasm, but then the heat comes on. Maybe something happens in life. Maybe pressure comes. Maybe just rejection comes because of being a Christian. Maybe life just goes back to normal and and faith gets boring, whatever it is. And that little plant, that person who's, who's become a Christian, they don't have the spiritual roots and they wither. Their faith withers and dies. I remember quite a few years ago now, there was a bunch of teenagers in our church that all became Christians at the same time. It was really great. There was a big group of them. And they went off to Easter camp. And this whole group made a commitment to become a Christian, and they came back, and not long after Easter camp, a whole group of them got, got baptised. And it was fantastic. It was just this, this real burst of enthusiasm in the whole life of our church. And there was one of those guys, this teenage guy, that I started getting alongside a little bit to, to kind of mentor him and help him. You know, people need that in the early days of their Christian faith, or at any stage. So I started meeting with this guy and encouraging him. He was one of the guys. he made, made a commitment to Jesus. He'd gotten baptised. It was great. But as I met with him, and the weeks went on, that kind of initial enthusiasm that he'd had as a Christian, you could just see, it just started to taper off. And it didn't seem like there's any particular reason for it, other than that he'd gone back to normal life. He had a bunch of other friends that weren't interested, and just, he got distracted. And so I'd be talking to him about things like the Bible. And I could just see, oh, the interest was just tapering, tapering, tapering. And, And we'd do things like, maybe you could read this passage of the Bible before we meet again. And we'd meet again, and no. Nothing had happened. We'd talk about prayer. we talk about church. And it was all just a very steady decline. And then he would start not showing up for the next meeting and the next one. And then he just drifted away, drifted away from church. Now, I don't know where he is now. And maybe God's done a work in his life and, and brought him back to faith. But he is someone you could just see, sadly, over time. That initial, it, he's exactly what Jesus described. Received the word with joy. Right? Just had this great conversion. And then just started to wither. Just withered on the vine. And the reason for that, Jesus tells us, is because people like that have no spiritual root. They do not have a spiritual root system. And I would venture to say that there are also many Christians who have been believers for decades who still don't have a deep spiritual root system. They're very shallow and they're very superficial. Yes, they believe and they've got a faith. But when you look, that spiritual root system is just not there. And the problem with rootless Christians is that you can think you've got a great faith. You can think you've got a really solid faith. But then something happens. Then your business crumbles. Or you hit a relationship crisis. Or financial crisis. Or a health crisis. And the heat comes on. And that faith that you thought was so great, so strong, it just withers. Why? Because you don't have the spiritual roots. And in those times of difficulty, if you don't have the spiritual roots, you are not able to draw up the spiritual nourishment and nutrients that you need to withstand the pressures of life. And that faith just withers. The only remedy to this, guys, is having deep spiritual Roots, this is what God wants for us. Every one of us is to push our spiritual roots down, get that spiritual tap root and push it deep, deep down into the soil of God's grace, deep down into the soil of faith, all the way down into the living waters, the reservoirs of the Holy Spirit. That's why Psalm 1 talks about the the one who meditates on this book of the law will be like the tree planted by streams of living water. Yields its fruit in season. Those are the kinds of Christians that God wants us to be, not shallow Christians, not superficial Christians, but deeply planted and rooted and established Christians. And you say, well, how do I get those spiritual roots going? How do I push those spiritual roots down? The single number one best way to do this is by getting to know this book, is through the Word of God. It is amazing how many Christians don't have much of a relationship with the Bible at all, don't really read it, don't really study it, don't really have any, any practice of feeding on it. And they, and they wonder why they're not growing. You wonder why you're not sort of making progress in your Christian life. And you wonder why you're in exactly the same place in your faith now you were five years ago. And then you look at the practices. Well, what, what, what does it look like in your life to read the Bible, to feed on God's word? Oh, it's not really there. Or it's very, very sporadic. Well, that's your spiritual root system. So if the roots are not deep, what's gonna happen? You're just gonna wither. And it won't take much for a big one to come along and wither you up entirely. Guys, if we're gonna have deep spiritual roots, we get to know this Word. We're gonna make this Word a part of our life. We're gonna have some some practices in our lives of reading and feeding on the Word of God. And I wanna encourage you, you look out this year. You think about what your schedule is going to be, what the big priorities is going to be in your life. Where is the space for the Word of God in your life this year? Where is the space to really get that spiritual root system going and, and have some time of reading God's Word each day, meditating and reflecting on God's Word, letting it speak to you, praying God's Word, using this in prayer back to God. This is your daily bread. This is God's Word to you. And it's not just going to happen, is it? It's not going to happen by you saying today, yes, I'm going to read the Bible more this year. Hallelujah. We walk out of here. What's going to happen? It's going to go the way of every other New Year's resolution you've ever made. right? That's why, that's why gym memberships are the number one item on Trade Me, you know? because people make great New Year's resolutions, don't they? And then two weeks later, what's happened? It's all over. This has got to become habit. If it's going to take root in your life, this has got to become habit. You've got to actually think about your life this year and go, well, when in my day and when in my week am I going to read this? When am I going to make the time and the space for this if it's not already happening? Otherwise, it's, it's just not going to happen. It's not something that will just happen to fit into your already busy and full life without serious and purposeful planning. So I want to encourage you to form a habit this year of reading and feeding on the Word of God and to see that as central to your spiritual root system. That's the taproot And you put that down deep, there's nothing else that will accelerate your faith and strengthen your faith like the Word of God and enable you then to withstand when the heat comes on, whatever it's going to be. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. When the heat comes on, this is what will enable you to stand firm, stand strong and not wither when the heat of life comes on you. So it's the seed planted on the rocky ground. Spiritual root system is what we need. Okay, third type of seed, third type of soil. This is the seed that falls among the thorns. So Jesus talks about this ground where again, there is some soil here. So the seed goes in and it starts to sprout. The problem is this this little plant starts growing surrounded by thorny plants. There's all these weeds there. There's all these really nasty, aggressive thorny plants. And as this little plant is trying to grow and it's trying to have a crop and it's trying to bear fruit, Those thorns, they crowd in on this little plant and they stop it from bearing fruit. It doesn't wither and die altogether, notice that, but it does remain fruitless. Now, what does Jesus tell us about this? Listen carefully, because this is many of us in this room, this applies to. Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth Choke the word. Man, that could have been written yesterday. Couldn't it? It's hard to believe this was 2,000 years ago. It's just as relevant to us now as it was back then. The worries of life, right? We worry, we worry, we worry about every little thing. Worry about our house, worry about our health, worry about our finances, worry about relationships. We worry, 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 worry. And the deceitfulness of wealth. That's such a powerful phrase, isn't it? Literally, the deception of wealth. That Jesus is saying, nothing wrong with having money. Nothing wrong with making money, but watch out, because so easily and so subtly, money will get a hold on your heart. Wealth will get a hold on your heart, and without you even realizing it, it will start to draw your focus away, away from God, away from His kingdom, away from His priorities in your life, and towards yourself, towards you, towards your own creature comforts. Your lifestyle, your house, your assets, your portfolio, your financial security, that's your focus. That's what wealth does in our lives. Jesus says, Don't let it happen. Because what happens when we get obsessed with the worries of life, when we start focusing on wealth, what's the phrase Jesus uses? What's it gonna happen? It will choke the word. It will choke the word in your life. This is what is happening to so many of us, is that the faith, the word in our life is being choked out. It's being choked out by the things that you're worrying about at the moment things you're worrying about that are coming up in your life, the worries of all the stuff that you've got, lifestyle, retirement, whatever it is, it's choking the word in your life and it's making you unfruitful. This is where we've got to do some serious self-examination, ask ourselves some serious questions. Is there something in your life that's choking the word? Is there something in your life that's choking your faith? I remember uh, years ago, there's a a guy that came to this church briefly. I use this example because none of you know him. Uh, and he had a brief stint here. And I remember talking to him one day and he just had this crazy busy job. I think he was in sales. He was working six days a week, barely had time for his family, let alone church. And I remember him saying, oh, look, it's just a busy season. It's just five years. Just, it's gonna be five years of craziness. And then you know, after that, after that, yeah, we'll be in this better space. Then you know, we'll be able to get a better balance in life and, and, and things will be better. Now, I don't know where he's at. He didn't, didn't stay around long. But I do know that for many people, that season never ends, does it? That five years, so it's just gonna be five years and then things will come right. That five years never ends. Yeah, and we use that excuse, we deceive ourselves into, into thinking, oh, this is just a busy time now. But no, no, we'll get better. It'll be, I'll have more time for God in a couple of years. I'll have more time to focus on faith or, or church or whatever else. I just, I just, right now, I've just got to give everything to the job. Right now, I've, I've got to just try and pursue these promotions. Right now, this has got to happen, and this is where I've got to be. And, and guys, that season doesn't end. It never stops. You've got to decide now. If those things are choking out the Word, if they're choking, if they are preventing you from being a fruitful Christian and living into the abundant life that Jesus promises us, you need to deal with that now, not in five years' time, not in the never-ending five years. Take a good hard look at your life and ask yourself, is there something now that is choking your faith, that is holding you back, that is leading you to stagnate in your Christian life, that is drawing you away from God, His Word, His Spirit, and His people? And if there is, bring it honestly before God and start having a conversation with Him about it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Deal with that. Be honest. Be courageous enough to bring it into the light and ask God to help you deal with that thing. Bring some transformation into your life. Yes, it may mean some big decisions. Yes, it may mean some some drastic action. Or it may just mean reshuffling your schedule. I don't know what it means for you, but don't ignore it. Bring it into the light. Let the Holy Spirit deal with it. Let God start to weed out the thorns that are choking your faith. All right, finally then, the last kind of soil, and this is the good kind, by the way. You've been waiting for this, haven't you? No more bad news. Here's the good news. This is the kind of soil that Jesus wants us to be. This is the soil. The seed goes into the soil. It is good soil. And the plant grows. It's got strong roots. It's not among the thorns, and it grows up and it bears a good crop. Jesus describes it this way in verse 23. The seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. That means they receive it. This is the one who produces the crop yielding 100 or 60 or 30 times what was sown. Those are extraordinary numbers. My understanding is that farmers never expect that kind of crop, like 100 times what was sown. So here's Jesus just being abundant and just giving you a hint of the abundant life that is is available through him. But this is the kind of person. This is the kind of soil that God is calling us to be. And maybe you can think of people like this in your life. Who comes to mind when you think of people who have really grown and, and you'd look at them and say, man, that person, they really, they bear fruit in their life, real spiritual fruit. They're a genuine, mature Christian. I think of a guy I know, Tom, I met him a couple of years ago at, at the Keswick convention and then spent some more time with him this summer. Tom's 99. He's 100 in August. And he is the fittest, most sprightly 99 year old you've ever seen. He's amazing. I mean, he not that it's all about being fit, but you know, he got up in the, at the convention in front of 350 people without a microphone and he's leading us in song. He's leading us in prayer. He's preaching away. We had a prayer meeting every morning with Tom and he was leading us through the old 1970s scripture and song choruses. Man, that was going back a fair way for me. But in his thick Irish accent, he'd be leading us in song and then praying these wonderful spirit-filled prayers. He's just a man full of Jesus. He's just a man full of the word of God who loves the Lord and, and has spent years soaking in the Word of God. And he just, he, just, he just beams. He's just got the presence of God about him. Tom's the kind of guy I want to be when I grow up. That's the kind of believer. It's good to have someone in mind that you think, that's who I want to be when I grow up. You know, someone who's further down the track than you, a mature, godly man or woman. And you say, that's where I'm heading. That's who I'm aiming for. Even more importantly, are you on a trajectory to become That man or that woman. Because I guarantee you it didn't happen by accident for Tom. It's been years of being in the Word of God. It's been years of being a prayerful, thoughtful Christian, loving God, loving His people, loving the world. And that's the path that He's walked. And I'm sure it hasn't been without its ups and downs along the way. But Jesus is saying to you this morning do you want to grow like that? Or are you just going to continue to be a shallow, superficial Christian? that's the question that each of us have to face. As you think about those four types of soil, you answer that question in your own mind. Which type of soil are you right now? Which one most closely corresponds to your life? Maybe you are the hard ground. Maybe you realize this morning that actually the word of God's never really gone into my life. I've never accepted it. I've never been changed by the word of God. Maybe you're the seed that falls among, in the rocky places, the seed that withers. And you feel like you're withering a bit now because the heat's coming on you. Maybe something's going on in your life and it's choking out your faith or it's just withering you. Maybe you are the seed among the thorns and there's something that's choking your faith. Something in your life and it's just, it's hindering you, it's holding you back. Maybe you're the good soil. Maybe you can see yourself there and you look at your life and you think, yeah, I am growing. I can see that. I I can see that I'm bearing fruit. That fruit, by the way, is simply the character of Jesus in our life. If you want to know what that spiritual fruit is, it's just the character of Jesus that gradually takes shape in our life, becoming more and more like Jesus. His love for God, His love for people, His character of, of gentleness, kindness, compassion, truth. It's the character of Christ. That's spiritual fruit. So maybe you see some of that in your life. That's a good thing. And then the second question is, what kind of soil do you want to be? What kind of soil do you want to be? If you are one of those first three types of soil, do you have a desire to be the good soil? Because you can stay where you are if you want. And if you want to be one of those first three types, you can. But the invitation that Jesus is giving through this story is that you don't have to stay where you are. You don't just stay as one particular kind of soil. You can choose which kind of soil you're going to become. And if you're one of the first three kinds, you can choose today to be the good soil. And this can be the beginning of a new season for you. Because if you're willing, if you've got that hunger in your life and you're saying, I, I, I want that. Maybe you've got that sense, even as I'm talking, just something in you is stirred and you're just thinking, yes, that's. I see it, I want it. Then God is saying to you, let's go. Let's go. It's going to be His work in your life, not yours. It's His fruit. That's why it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But it takes your cooperation. It's not going to happen without you either. He's not just going to zap you. It is going to take your cooperation with the Holy Spirit to start putting in steps that will help you to grow. Steps around Scripture. Steps around prayer. Steps around community. But if you're ready to grow, God is is saying to you, let's do it. Let's go. Let's grow together. And He will take you and He will lead you on and He will enable you to be that kind of good soil. You don't have to be a rootless Christian any longer. You really don't. You don't have to be a fruitless Christian any longer. You can decide today, I'm going to put down a deep spiritual root system this year based on the Word of God and I am going to deal decisively with those things in my life that are choking my faith because I'm not going to let that happen anymore. I'm going to let God prune me and I'm going to start growing. I'm going to start growing toward God in his grace, by his spirit, in his power. But I am going to have this year as a year of growth. Are you willing to say that today? Enter into a season this year that can be a season of growth for you, that you get to this time next year and you can look back and say, yes, I have really taken some steps by the grace of God. I am not who I was. I'm on my way. I'm moving forward. If that's you today, God would say, let's go. Let's do it. Take my hand. I'm ready. Let's go. This is why Jesus has saved us and created us. He says in John 15, I have appointed you to go and bear fruit and bear fruit abundantly. Let's be fruitful Christians this year as we grow in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, I want to pray for each person here as you're working in their heart and through your word this morning, you're sowing that seed in the hearts of each of us, God. You're sowing your word in our hearts now. And each of us have that decision now of how we're going to respond to that. And there are some here this morning that are still rejecting it. And there are some here this morning that are ignoring it because it's too hard. But there are others here, even in the room now, God, that are open and willing and ready. Hearts are open before you. And I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and fill the hearts of men and women and children here who are open to you, Jesus, who are saying, yes, I hunger and I thirst for righteousness. I want to seek first your kingdom this year, God, and trust that all these other things will be taken care of. God, where that desire is there in the hearts of people in this room this morning, I want to pray that you would come and honor what you have said you would do and come and take those people forward, Lord Jesus, and plant them deeply, deeply in the soil of your grace and deal with those things in their lives that need to be dealt with so that they might bear fruit for your glory this year. Jesus, only you can do this. I can't make it happen through my words. None of us can make it happen in our strength, but God, you can come and make us fruitful Christians. May this year be a year of, of growth in our lives. For your glory we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.